Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hey, everybody. Wow. Welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. This is unreal. We are in part three of our series with Teresa Steed, raised in a multi-generational polygamous family. Um, Grew up with, uh, started out with three moms that quickly went to six moms, lots of siblings. And in our last episode, episode two, we were ending with the fact that the prophet just suddenly unannounced shows up at the safe house where they're staying in Colorado. And uh, in a very short amount of time, first marries her mother to another man because her father has since been excommunicated, which means when he's excommunicated from the group, he loses everything, his family, his wives, his property, he's just like gone. And so now Warren Jeff says the prophet of this community now marries his wife to one of his leaders And then after doing that, marries Teresa to somebody else who's in the community. Um, If I remember right, she said he was around 30 years old. And so she becomes wife number 10. So that's where we're going to pick up today. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. Welcome back, Teresa. All of a sudden, (laughs) Teresa standing in her good socks without any holes, that's married at age 14. And this is nothing that she chose. Um, I want to know how you felt about this and how you felt toward parents and church leaders, or if you even had a second thought and just accepted it. Um, It's funny because as you were saying that, that at least I was in my good socks. It's funny that I did not even think to change my dress. The dress I was wearing was horrible. Oh no! <laughs> so, <laughs> did anybody change pictures? Um, so I don't know if I should say this, but there is the picture when I got married is on the internet. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. How did that happen? Um, when they got the files, when Warren Jeff Jeff's got arrested, then that was he took records just like they do in the Mormon community. He had records. And that was one of the things that convicted him is he had recorded all these marriages and wow. taken a picture. So that wow. is on the internet. Wow, okay. I will go look for that. <laughs> so how did you feel about getting married, girl? Um, and how did you feel toward the adults who were doing this, making this decision for you? So at the time, and I'll have to say, I look at this a lot different now, but at the time, you know, I'm 14. It was like the most wonderful privilege. And Warren had actually taught this, like it was the most sacred and most honored privilege for a young woman to be placed by a good priest of man. So I'm thinking that I am honored of God that he has, you know, blessed me enough or thought me capable enough of getting married at this age. Um, at the time, then I didn't think anything of mom not standing up to it because 
you know, mom had always taught me whatever the prophet does is right. So I'll have to say if she would have challenged it at that moment, I would have maybe thought that she was the one in the wrong, not Warren. Yeah. Well, and you said the whole reason you were in your good socks was because it occurred to you when the prophet showed up. I wonder if I might get married today. So the idea of getting married at 14 wasn't something totally out of the question. You knew of, you had other, I don't know, 14 year old sisters or friends yes. who had already gotten married at that age. Yes. The and sister younger? Um, was there people that had gotten married younger than 14? That is my question. Yes. Um, yes. There was people that had gotten married younger than 14. Um, Warren Jeff's, um, I later found out right around this time had taken um, himself a 12 year old wife. So, yes, there was people that got married younger than 14. Yeah. Wow. Okay. okay so back so- to your relationship with your mom, like you said, if she, I mean, if she, if she would have stood up and said, Hey, wait, my daughter's only 14. You would have seriously thought, wow, what's wrong with mom? She's being really unspiritual here. She's not respecting the prophet. This was so much a part of the cultural expectation that this is yes. how it would happen, that you didn't question it at the time. Yes. That's, but Joel, that's, that's that true of mainstream Mormonism as well. It's yeah. that, Go ahead. that is an ingrained thinking, right, Teresa? I was certainly yes. raised to think if someone was challenging the church, they were challenging God. Yes. And yeah. I would be on God's side. I would never be on their side. And it didn't matter who they were, right? Well, it didn't matter who they were or what they were challenging. You wouldn't even look at it. All you saw is that they were challenging God. It didn't even matter what it was. Yeah. For for Mormonism, they were challenging the church, and that is Jesus' church, and you never do that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, girl. Okay, (laughs) so did you end up living with him and the rest of his wife in Um, Colorado? (laughs) Yes. So we get married. Um. He had him, oh, I'll have to say this. I had never been kissed before, okay? Okay. We had never dated. Nobody had ever dated as far as like my age group. We didn't even know what dates were. Um, had you even held hands? With the boy? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> nope. So when I'm getting married, interestingly enough, so this story, and I'm sorry, it's taking a while, but... Um, <laughs> He, the whole time he's reading this marriage ceremony, the only thing going through my head is like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to get a kiss at the end. That's the only thing I knew about weddings is at the end, he would say, you may kiss the bride. (laughs) That is the only thing I knew. So I'm dreading this moment of him saying, you know, you may kiss the bride. So I'm not even really listening to what's going on. And I finally concluded in my mind, well, if he says, you may kiss the bride, that doesn't mean I have to, because he didn't tell me to, so I can get out of this. (laughs) So, um, and gets it done. And I look at this a whole lot different now with open eyes, because at that time, my eyes were not open. Yeah. And thank you, Jesus, for opening my eyes. But, um, he gets done with the marriage ceremony and Warren says, oh, this is my favorite part. He makes his breath. And I, I mean, now listening to that, I'm like, wow, he was a very, very perverted man. You yeah. know, 
yeah. at the time, that didn't even occur to me. But he says, you may kiss the bride. And then he said, and she, you. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. So <laughs> trying to think of how I can get out of this. And I'm so stunned and shocked that I didn't even, you know, I'm 14. Um, Nathan was, I'm going to say that he was 30, anywhere between 36 and 39. I don't okay. remember the exact date. I'd have to go look it up. Um, so all I can see is the colors and the buttons on his shirt when I look straight forward. That is all I can see. So I was so stunned and shocked that I just stayed staring straight forward. And he actually bent down and kissed me because I just was in shock standing oh, there. Wow. Anyway, so <sighs> I can't say the the my first kiss was anything wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I want to explore the feelings a little more. So you were afraid of being kissed. You were afraid you wouldn't be, you wouldn't do it right. Um, maybe a little bit of everything because yeah. interestingly enough, I hadn't even practiced on the mirror. <laughs> I yeah. probably should have. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So then did you spend your first night together? Um, he had like after the marriage then Warren told me that I would be moving to Nathan's house with him there in Colorado with his family that was there so um, Warren gave like a, he did a meeting with us like everybody was called in all of the family that was there he told everybody who their moms were married to now and you know who their new fathers were and um, had a meeting with us and then he left um, Nathan had some stuff he needed to go do. So he had to go do some stuff and then he was going to come back and pick me up. So he told me to pack my stuff and he would be back later to pick me up. Well, hopefully he had to go tell his other nine wives. I mean, uh, be a... yeah, because you said his, re he was just as stunned as you were when the prophet announced it. He did not know he was going to be getting an additional wife, obviously. So, <laughs> Yeah, he, he didn't know either. So um, I maybe he did go home. I do not know for sure. But all of his wives were not living there in Colorado. He had all of his younger wives and all of his children under eight there. Okay. So, so how many was, younger wives then? I might have to look it up because okay. I'm not 100% sure. Um, it was... I'm just curious what kind of household you moved into at 14 as a wife. <laughs> um, five, five other wives. Okay. And these were his younger wives. So younger under the age of 30, under the age of 20. Um, all of them were under the age of 30, except for one. One, okay. and I found this out later, the one that wasn't, that was actually over 30, she had married him two weeks before I did. And oh, she wow. already had five kids. You know, she'd been married before. She had five kids and she had gotten married straight before I did. So she was okay. the only one that was over. So I have kind of an odd question. Okay. If your job is to procreate, what if you were barren? Um, that is a good question. <laughs> as far as I knew, like I... Like there was a few ladies, but it kind of 
like I don't remember people talking about it a whole lot like what happened to those women like Warren had a lot of wives that didn't have children a lot okay and I don't know if that was because they were barren or because like I later found out that he was saying that some of them weren't um chosen to have children so I I don't know okay it wasn't something that was that I don't know the answer to that (laughs) what happened to him all right so he takes you home you have a first night together were you scared um so I did not know what sex was it was not talk to me anything so I did that night he picked me up we went to his house um so he's living in this house with five ladies it had three bedrooms the ladies there was two ladies in two of the rooms and one lady in the other room with all these kids and so he moved me into the room I'm living in this room with one of his other ladies she has five kids you know her kids are in there as well um he did not have a bedroom so of course at 14 then I'm like at least I don't have to spend the night with him because he was sleeping in the living room in the chair and I was so relieved but the other thing that it had done to me is I decided that I wasn't going to eat in front of them and I don't know why I decided that but I decided that so I didn't eat I didn't eat for the first day I actually didn't even eat very much for almost two weeks after I got married I lost 20 pounds within two weeks oh wow wow so any idea what would that was just probably stress um um possibly and you know 14 year olds can decide some certain things and then stick to those certain things. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was the next day after we got married, then he brought home a trailer. So it was, it was like a toy hauler camping trailer kind of. Okay. Um, Cause it, it really didn't have any other rooms. It was just open. And then it had like the front of it was had like a kitchen area and then a bathroom in this trailer and that's what he brought moved a bed into it that was his room so I got the second night after we were married is was our first night together and like I said I did not know anything like anything which is interesting because I did grow up on a farm I should have but I never related some of that stuff that I saw on the farm to people nobody ever said right. that that's how it was done with people. I don't know what I thought, but yeah, I didn't think that. So um, it was very difficult for me. Um, that, like looking back on it now, it's it's insane that it was allowed for the band that was going to, and I'll just say it, going to rape you is the one that taught you that how sex works. Yeah. So, um, the first night I was very nervous and by the way we wore layers upon layers of clothes so I went to bed with all the layers on I, I even had a bathroom I probably had four or five different layers that night oh, <laughs> I, had the, I had the long underwear um, plus the underwear around underpants and then I had a um we all wore a slip like a, a dress slip that keeps your dress looking flowy so I had that on, then I had a nightgown on, and then I had a bathrobe on top of that. 
And that is how I went to bed the first night that I slept with him. So do fundamentalists wear garments? Like Yes, they wear long underwear. Okay. Um, and it's what it's we called it. Down to your wrist and down to your down ankles. Down to your wrists and down to your ankles. And then you were to cover, like no one should see in any part of that underwear. So you needed to wear other clothes that covered that underwear. So yeah. <laughs> Lots okay. of layers. <laughs> That's hot in Southern Utah. <laughs> in <the> southern. <laughs> oh yes. So uh, that first night, um, see, I didn't even know anything. I had had a stepsister tell me the day that I got married while he left to go do whatever he was doing. Then she's like, said something to me. And I'm like, Oh no, I, I wear my bra to bed. And she's like, Oh, but he'll tell you to take it off. And I said, why? And she's like, it, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. And then she wouldn't talk about it after that. So laying in bed that first night, then I'm skewed as far away from him as I possibly could get. And I'm getting so hot. I'm bundled up in all these layers. Lots <laughs> of bathrobe on. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, I'm like, oh, can I please just take my robe off? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can take your robe off. So I took it off and he reached over and started rubbing my back. Okay. Uh, at this time, I did not like people to touch me. I didn't care if it was my sisters. I didn't care anything. Don't come rub my shoulders. Don't come rub my back. Just don't touch me. So when he started rubbing my back, I actually started gritting my teeth and just clenching my teeth really hard because I'm like, it's a good priesthood man. It's what I'm supposed to be doing. I can't tell him to not do this. So um, it was very difficult. And the second day, see that night, he actually didn't actually try to do anything. He didn't try to take off any of my clothes. He didn't try anything. The second night, then he tried to explain sex to me. Um, And then he tried to do it. And it was so painful that I shoved him off of me. Mm. And granted, he was twice my size. So I shoved him off of me and ran to the little bathroom in the trailer and hit. And wouldn't come yeah. out for a while. Anyway, so I, I thought for sure, okay, I, I, by this time I found out that he had a new wife, you know, even though she'd been married to somebody else, surely he would take a break from me and sleep with somebody else. Mm. But now the next night, I'm sleeping with him again. Oh, and it was wow. like he would not leave me alone until he had done it. So <laughs> that was very intense. <sighs> and just, I look back at it now and I hurt a little for myself. But yeah, that the adults in my life that should have told me didn't, but the people that, you know, didn't know what was going to happen didn't talk to me I'm sorry for that experience did you get pregnant right away no um we lived with his family he got one more wife after me and it actually was the day before Warren Jeffs got caught and put into prison is the day that he got one more wife um she had been married as well and had three children so he you know we we moved here and there to try to accommodate his family there in Colorado. Um, eventually, then Nate 
Nathan got called to go to Texas. So he went to Texas um, 2007 and um, he took his first wife. And up, up until this time, I didn't even, like I had never met her. Um, she was living in Short Creek and I was living in Colorado and I had never met like his first four ladies. Oh, yeah. So here is a religious, and I just have to say this for the people listening so they understand because we're talking about this like it's just so because it it was your story but here's a religion who has normalized and legitimized child abuse yes and and made it so much a part of the culture that the very adults who should be in charge of protecting you and watching out for you and guarding you are actually the people who continue to set it up so it can happen so it's just, it, it's an evil, horrible, diabolical system under the name of religion and God that sets up whole generations of repeated abuse. So let's just call it what it is um, yes. and praise God that you were rescued out of that. And like you said in our first episode, you've been called and you've been brought by God to break a horrible chain of generational abuse um and then with you it gets to stop so okay and i'm I'm very grateful for that 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 god has oh that he's rescued me in more ways than one but that he's helped me to be able to do this and stand up to that my daughter actually is 14 right now and i could not imagine I cannot imagine allowing something like that to happen to her. So I am so very thankful for God's grace on me that he opened my eyes and opened my ears to the truth. So, yeah. And we are again, are almost at time for this episode. We've got just barely a minute left. So um, Lynn, I just, I just got to turn this over to you for your heart. Cause I can't. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just kind of like shredded right now. Um, as a father of four daughters. Um, so, yeah. <sighs> I think one of the most insidious teachings that Joseph Smith brought to the world is written down in Doctrine and Covenants 132. The racism is ugly. The idea that you can become a god is ugly. But the idea that a man has to be sealed to a worthy woman in order to work its way to the highest heaven and that a woman needs to be uh, procreating forever and that there have to be many women involved and this one thing I so often run into abuse even within mainstream Mormonism and I think it comes from Doctrine and Covenants 132 it comes from the whole idea of polygamy comes from the idea that Heavenly Father would come down and impregnate Mary in the usual way. I I heard a woman once tell me that her father used to put his temple recommend next to her bedstand and then abuse her and say she was his special daughter, like Mary was to Heavenly Father. 
These are not Christian teachings. These are anti-Christian teachings. They break the heart. And Teresa, I thank God that you are free. And in the next episode, we will hear how God reached out and opened your eyes and brought you to him that other folks in fundamentalism might hear your story and know that there's a powerful and loving and merciful God who does not, who hates this, who says that there a millstone should be put around your neck and you should be drowned in the depths of the sea, that you would do this to a child. Yes. Well, if we ever needed a benediction of grace and peace, then I think it's now. So I'm just going to say amen to that. And we look forward to... Um, Good news in the next episode, Teresa. Um, thank you again for sharing. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine the reliving. So I just want to say thank you for being willing to relive this in retrospect and not at all to be sensationalistic or dramatic, um, but simply to relate a story that is what it is and a story that God has redeemed. So, yes. and, and he has. He's definitely redeemed me, and he is the most loving father. He brought me the most wonderful peace, and just letting me know that I have grace, because for a while I thought that I had chose that, that I brought it upon myself. Yeah. Um, and so I, I thank him so much for the grace and the love that he has shown me. Mm. God bless you, friend. We will hear how God reached into your life next time. Grace and peace to you, Joe. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.